All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Fusion Underground. I'm your host, Manuel Ramirez, and here at the Fusion Underground, what we try to do is we try to make sense of the world by having principled discussions about such topics as entertainment, current events, politics, and culture. And our mission is really a, a simple one. Our mission is to try to educate people to become critical thinkers so they can live more empowered and happier lives. And I'm joined uh, tonight by my co-host, my favorite, beauty and glory, Jason Moret. How are you doing, buddy? I'm great, brother. How are you? I'm doing well. <laughs> I, I love that you, you, you put out there what our, our purpose is. That's your purpose. My purpose here is to have fun and poke you as much <laughs> as I can. <laughs> well, I think we're going to have a lot of fun tonight. I really do. So um, we got some some interesting stuff uh, on the docket. Uh, just to let everybody know, thank you for everybody who's actually listening to the show. We put it out there for a few people. This is still one of our dress rehearsals. Um, depending on how things go and how we, you know, the, what we talk about tonight and kind of how we feel, I think we might be getting really, really close to launching the the show. So we've got, you know, we've got our website up and running. We've got our YouTube channel up and running now. Um, you've I've got, um, we've got a BitChute channel. For those of you who know what that is, it's basically like a YouTube underground type of thing. So you can find us on BitChute. Um, YouTube and BitChute, we're under Fusion Underground. Um, we're also on Twitter, Fusion Under. <laughs> it's just at Fusion <laughs> Under. You can't have long Twitter handles on, on Twitter. So. <laughs> Thank so you to, for the education, sir. So I had to shorten it down a little bit. And I was like playing with other, with other things and, you know, other types of strings. And I was just like, ah, this is just simple. Let's just go ahead and go with that. So uh, we're up on Twitter now. Um, let's see. Uh, if you go to the website, fusionunderground.net, you'll be able to get all of the links to all of these things. BitChute, YouTube, all of that is is right there off of the main page. Our page is really simple. We're not running articles or anything like that on the page. Um, it's a very simple. There's only two pages on the entire website, uh, the podcast page uh, and then um, an about page. So we have some uh, basic gen, you know, general questions and answers about what we are and what we're trying to accomplish here on Fusion Underground. But right on that front page, it's got all of the different links to our RSS feeds and everything else. So if you want, you're interested in that, you can also catch the podcast on Anchor Breaker, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Radio Public. Again, all those uh, all those feeds are right there off the main page. Um, you can contact us, uh, send us an email at contact at fusionunderground.net. So we'll get that right away. If you have any comments or questions or anything like that you wanna post to the show, feel free to drop us an email or find us on Twitter and uh, be able to get in touch with us that way. Um, on today's agenda, so one, the, the main topic that I, that I have today is uh, I wanna talk about decision-making. How do we make decisions? And how does the media influence our decisions? Our decisions? And should the media influence our decisions? So we're gonna unpack that tonight on the show. Um, I have a short answer to that. First, probably yeah. cut it all out. Uh, my ahead. wife tells me. She... <laughs> <laughs> She tells you how it's going to be and you just yeah. do that. She makes the decision and I, I have the option to say yes, ma'am, or yes, ma'am. Well, that's, that's fair. <laughs> that, that, that is totally fair. You know, I have this story here. Before we get into that, I've got, I've got a couple of little things I wanted to share with you. Um, I thought this was uh, pretty darn amazing. You know, we've got, you know, the entire world is in the grips of 
the coronavirus, right? And there's in the media, it was being talked about how the coronavirus came from China and Asian flu and yada, yada, right? Well, nature is not done yet with, with uh, kicking us in the pants from Asia. There's this new thing that has been going around and it actually started up in the Pacific Northwest up in Washington state. And it's taking the, uh, the Twitter sphere by storm right now. It's called a murder hornet. A murder hornet. <laughs> Wait. Really? <clears throat> yes, a murder hornet. Okay, no, no, no. That's better than a murder wasp. Okay, now <laughs> let me read to you the okay. first paragraph of this article. This was in the New York Times. It just came out as a, today as a matter of fact. So this is cutting edge news on the Fusion Underground. <laughs> 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 so this this is the first paragraph uh, and i think you'll get a kick out of this it says ted mcfall had never seen anything like it as he pulled his truck up to check on a group of hives near custer washington in november he could spot from the window a mess of bee carcasses on the ground as he looked closer he saw a pile of dead members of the colony in front of a hive and more carnage inside thousands and thousands of bees with their heads torn from their bodies and no sign of a culprit. <laughs> that's the that's the what, first what? paragraph. You're, this is out of a news article. This is not a Stephen King book, <laughs> yes. right? Because I'm telling you right now, this is this would give the birds a run for their money. Now, wait, did it say the bees' heads have been torn from their body? Yes, murder hornet. Do it. They have these gigantic mandibles that pierce through this one guy, th this guy who was investigating, trying to find the hive of these murder hornets. He was actually wearing, <laughs> he was actually wearing a beekeeper outfit. Right. And the, the hornets were stabbing him through the fabric of the, of the protective gear through his sweatpants and drawing blood off of his legs and they inject venom. So these, th cow. these suckers also have venom. Um, and they are, they have been known to kill humans. These are murder hornets. They're murder hornets. That, that's, yes. I, I'm speechless. I'm dumbfounded. <laughs> I want one. You keep want my, one? I want a handful of them to keep my neighbors away. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what's crazy about this, okay, is the article talking, the article tries to describe what these murder hornets look like, right? And they, they describe it as having these, these uh, sloped eyes like Spider-Man, <clears throat> these black, black and yellow stripes like a tiger and wings like a dragonfly. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. So God <laughs> decided to mash up a superhero, a tiger and a dragon and slam that into a two inch size hornet that we now call a murder hornet that murder rips hornet. the the rips heads off of bees. I got to tell this you, sucker this sucker doesn't mess around, man. This sounds like something made up by a bunch of my <laughs> gaming buddies. You know, I want to play this, you know, the, the perfect mash of a death machine, but to balance that merit, I have to take the flaw of being itty bitty. <laughs> this, murder that's, hornet. That's ridiculous. So okay. this is a, this is actually going on in, uh, in the Pacific Northwest. So, so up I'm near sure go and, Washington uh, State? Yeah, in Washington State, up there in the Washington State area. All right, I'm going to make that, put that down. That's reason number 170. <clears throat>
four looks like not to live in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. So, thank you. There you I go. got another one. Yeah, you're welcome. So <clears throat> I want to ask you how, how, you know, we're, we're all kind of quarantined right now and I take it you're still, you're still in quarantine, right? Yeah, I'm home. Self-imposed uh, isolation, which I know is driving you absolutely nuts. Yeah. For someone like me, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's murder. Okay. Well, Hornet. <laughs> Hornet. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> you know, in Oregon, Oregon of all places, I don't know, maybe, maybe it doesn't surprise me. I would have, I would have expected to see something like this out of Vegas, but Oregon, uh, a local strip club there has decided to have uh, to change its business model and is now doing drive through strip club ing drive drive through strip clubs. Sure. Yeah. So I, I'm curious, you know, how badly does one need to go oh. to the strip club? Don't it, don't ask questions to which my answers may scare you. I mean, we've talked about this before. <laughs> This this is a clip from uh, just a, a shot of the of the article here, the, the a picture of the article. Um, it's in good taste. She's not naked or anything like that. But you'll see she's in the middle of this I don't know area, and you've got this gated area. There's a tent. You can see how there's this tent, and you can see off to the side there are there are women who are dancing on these poles, and there's a car behind her, and so the cars just kind of drive through here. So is this like a two for one minimum? I mean, you, are you, are we drinking and driving here? What is, what's happening? I mean, she's got a mask, so <laughs> she's, uh, she's protected. Why are you like in the, the camera? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm really trying to understand. Well, I, no, I, oh. I love this picture. She's actually like leaning over the barricade and the dude's given a, uh, given a dollar it looks like he's even wearing a glove or something he's got a glove and uh she's got a bucket apparently that's her tip that's bucket. her tip her tip bucket right or she's not allowed to go to the bathroom no bathroom breaks right and here's a here's another shot through a stripper on a pole to another stripper on a pole in the cart you know they still they're all fully clothed i don't i don't understand i i just really don't understand well, what's happening no here. i mean they're um i don't i don't necessarily think that that's really I don't know. Um, the, the, I'm really trying to wrap my head around. I could actually see going through that, driving through that. <laughs> no, and, really? I, well, and here's, here's why. Um, okay. For Enlighten no other me. reason. And, and it would have nothing to do with going to the strip club because that's not even close to the same thing. Um, it's all, it would almost be one of those things like, holy crap, I did it. <laughs> you know it'd be like 10 years from go dude you remember back when the kung flu was through and we were all uh -huh. doing the the isolation thing and we all loaded up all the guys in the car and we drove through the strip club that was like friday the 13th type so, stuff right but you there. know they're, they can't get any lap dances right? no. they're not getting any lap dances they're not i don't even know how i guess you just keep driving around in a circle it's it's kind of like going to look at christmas lights <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of what it is. You put your face up to the glass. Look at you know. And it's twinkling, and then <laughs> I think this one moves with the music. You know, it's it. it that's that's very surreal. I um I can't believe anything out there is like. I, I, well, no, at this point, I I can believe just about anything. People are desperate. 
to be yeah, trying people, to cling to anything they can right now. Yeah, people are desperate. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because, uh, you know, there are high schools all over the country are not graduating, right? At the, at the end of the semester, right at a time when high schoolers should be graduating, I'm not saying that they should turn into strippers. But, um, uh, you know, several people have have mentioned as a way to hold a graduation for these graduating seniors because, and I get it, right? You have a lot of schools, <clears throat> high schools across the country, <clears throat> excuse me, have, um, have canceled all of their graduation and it's high school. It's kind of this big, it is this big ceremony. And for some kids, it's going to be probably the biggest ceremony of their lives. Uh, just about all of them. It's probably the biggest ceremony up until this point. Right. And now they don't get to don the cap and gown and they don't get to walk across the stage and get their, their high school diploma. Um, and several people, uh, that I've, I talked to on social media, friends of mine and such have been proposing this idea. So uh, for those in Arizona and down in the Valley anyway, a lot of the high schools will graduate. They hold all their graduation ceremony, ceremonies at the large stadium where the Cardinals play. And they kind of rotate them every couple of hours. They'll do another school and, and they, you know, schools all around the Valley are going through there. Um, and so the, the idea is, well, the stadium has gigantic parking lots. What if we just put all this, all the, you know, the families and the high school kid, the senior in a car and everybody just kind of sits out in the parking lot. And then we show, <laughs> we show the ceremony. It's, it's a graduation drive in. Okay. And, and then, yeah. And then when the, you know, the, the, the speakers can get up there and have their speeches and, and then the cars can, can drive into the stadium um, and get their diploma, and then they they drive out. Okay. I think this is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, this is not an actual idea that anybody is floating that could actually organize something like this. Again, this is people that I know who are talking about this on social media because they really want these kids to have a graduation ceremony. Now, from my perspective, it's kind of like, well, that's a bit ridiculous. Like the idea for me is you put the cap and gown on, <clears throat> You sit there amongst your friends and you walk across the stage when your name is ca called, you know, being out on the field um, under the lights and, you know, in that big pomp and circumstance celebration kind of thing. Um, you get your picture taken up on the stage when you're, you know, shaking your principal's hand or whomever and receiving your diploma. Can you imagine at your graduation, you sitting in a car and you got a picture of you in the car and somebody's handing you a diploma through the window of your car? No, I can't. But then again, I, I couldn't imagine, I, I couldn't imagine anything like this happening anyway. Um, I mean, you really want to take a look at it. It's, we've got kids who aren't going to graduate or aren't graduating at all, or aren't going to have any ceremony at all. Um, what do you do? I mean, kudos to some of these guys coming up with something. Um, what the, I, I don't know. I mean, um, didn't West Point just do their graduation and they Air had Air Force the whole, Academy. Yeah. Or excuse me. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, they figured it out and they're getting trashed for it, but they figured it out. They, they didn't did sit it. in cars. Now, no. now, now we're talking, we're talking Phoenix here. Okay. We're talking yeah. Phoenix. It's already a hundred degrees. And you know, these, these ceremonies are like two hours long on average. You know, thinking about the idea of a bunch of family members sitting in a car like they're in a drive-in in 100 degree weather right think about all the hoopties that are out in the uh in the uh parking lot because not all these kids are 
are well, from, you know. And, and let's just be honest. You get that many family members and that many people out in the parking lot. I, I mean, I've been tailgating before, and that's a mess. But at <laughs> least we're all there for the same team. You know, <laughs> I can well, only. They're gonna be. They're gonna be crazy people. You get too close to my grandma. Bam. Next thing you know, there's fights breaking out because everybody's worried about how close they are and not too close, and then they're hot and they want to open the windows. And, some other, you know, social justice police person's coming up, knocking on them with the mask, saying, "You need to close your window up because you're letting all your germs out." In the, dude, it's it. That's a hot. That's a hot mess. It's it's a mess <laughs> waiting to happen. Well, and I was thinking about like if that were me in high school, right? My, my I have this big Mexican family, and I can imagine all of my family trying to pile into one car, and they would get there, and then of course my uncle would probably have a grill. And my other uncle would probably have a chest, uh, an ice chest or whatever, and there would be drinking and they're basically be tailgating for the entire time. And then it's going to get time for me to like drive in to receive my diploma. And I'm all stressed out because now my family has to put all the stuff back in the car. And I don't know <laughs> if they're going to make it in time. And, you know, you got one uncle falling on top of another person and cousin won't, where did, where did cousin Julio go? And he's all lost over there and got to <laughs> wrangle all these people together and cram them all in the car, you know, so that we can just drive on. We're holding people up now. We got to go. We can, let's move here. You know, I just. Can't hear the announcer because everybody's honking at you. You know, get that low rider moving, man. <laughs> I can see that. Actually, that's just not. No, that's just that's not going to work. Bad idea. That's just a bad idea. That's just a bad idea all the way around. I'm sorry. I'm just sorry. That's just a bad idea. All right. All right. Well, at least we somebody had an idea. You got to be such a negative Nancy all the time. <laughs> negative Nancy all the time. All right, so I got another little video here that I wanted to play for you. All right. <clears throat> so let me, I got to get it set up here. I got to find uh, that right spot. But, uh, you know, the last, the last one we did was actually pretty funny. Um, and uh, and you, you, you enjoyed that. And I uh, kind of liked watching you uh, crack up about it. So Watching me laugh about the porcupine. Yeah, about the porcupine. Yeah. So let's, let's. Um, I don't know if you can hear that. Can you hear that? No, sir. Neither can anybody else. Let me do this one then. (laughs) (laughs) We are so very technical here at the Fusion Underground, aren't we? Yeah. All right, let me try this one. Police in New Orleans clearing out Bourbon Street, breaking developments in the coronavirus pandemic. Look, I can understand it both ways. I understand it, but everybody act like the coronavirus is just so much of a big deal. Everybody scared and everything. I'm just saying, I played a hell of a joke on these people at work. Yeah. Look, I locked the door from the outside. They was in there having lunch. I walked in the room. I said, Achoo! <laughs> you should have seen them in there running, trying to get out the windows out of that thing. I said, hold up. Wait a minute. Something ain't right. They was in there sweating like a snowman in hell. Look, I just can't wait till you get back to the days where you can stick your in somebody's and not have to wash your hands afterwards. You know, now you got to go ahead and drink a whole bottle of sanitizer before you do anything. The coronavirus is not that damn serious, y'all. <clears throat> hey, don't, 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 don't do that. I'm, don't do that. <laughs> did, did he just reference the looking but his butt? Without washing <laughs> his hands, <laughs> that's not what he. 
<laughs> said it all. <laughs> he stuck his tongue out. <laughs> and uh, okay, um, gross. <laughs> Thanks. So lighten the mood. In uh, for full transparency, that guy's a comic. He does all kinds of crazy videos like that. So it wasn't like he was actually on the news. But I still got a kick out of it. I thought that was hysterical, nonetheless. That was pretty funny. Yeah. All right. All right. So I wanted to get into this topic of uh, how we make decisions, right? Um, and when that video kind of pokes fun at this, right? Because there's that video is kind of catching wind on the whole hysteria related to COVID. Um, and it's not my intention to, to debate whether or not COVID is a hoax or, you know, are the numbers inflated and, and are all these conspiracy theories. It's not really why I want to talk about this particular topic of COVID, but really I want to focus more on how we make decisions. Um, and because that, I think, I think what ends up happening is the way media gets crafted, the way you have journalists um, and media sources, they, they write specific, whether it's news articles or they're producing clips that are going on television, they do so in a way that, that affects how people end up making decisions and they play off of, off of certain fears. I mean, in, in marketing and advertising, right, we, we talk about our students in, in business schools and taking marketing and advertising classes, they get to learn all about fear, uncertainty, and doubt in order to move a product or the fear of missing out, for example. Well, media is no different. There's, they're trying to make revenue. They do want to make profit. Uh, journalists do want to get paid. Corporations own media sources, so there is incentive to drive viewership and drive readership to websites, et cetera. Um, and and so, so what do you think about this whole concept of is the media does the media create things and manipulate the way people make decisions that are affecting themselves and their, them in daily life? I mean, you run to the store and I still can't buy toilet paper anywhere near me. Oh, I can get toilet paper, but I'm not telling you where. <laughs> it's my stash. <laughs> um, no, um, um, media is sales. I'm in sales. And I can tell you that life is sales, no matter what. You're being sold something by, by just about everyone you meet. And it's not, always, it's not malicious by any means. Um, and any salesman knows that you ride the emotional wave. Sometimes you have to create it in order to ride it. But that's, that's where you get your hook. Um, if you've ever gone and bought a car, which everybody's bought a car, um, the number one rule for a car salesman is you never let your customer leave. Because you can actually control the emotion and, every, and you can get someone to buy a car or whatever it is you're selling based on an emotional response. Um, and usually it's, they like to drown up the excitement um, and excitement can be whether it's, it's fear driven or, um, or pleasure driven. <clears throat> That's why everybody wants to get you in to drive a car. You've, and it, when's the last time you test drove a car? Did you do the speed limit oh, the whole time? Just a few minutes, no, a few minutes, just a few months ago actually, we bought a new car. Um, and no, you don't drive, you don't do the speed limit. You want right. you, you have a, you have a brief opportunity to try to, uh, to, to test it out. You've got, yep. you know, 10, 15 minutes really. Mm-hmm. So you want to get on the freeway, you want to punch it and you want to yeah. peel out from a, from a, a stop position, et cetera, and slam I, on the brakes and all that kind of stuff. Yep. I'll even bet you that the salesman probably told you, go ahead, go ahead and, and, and hit it just a little bit. Oh, sure. Just, yeah. Oh yeah. Because they know that that acceleration, it's exhilarating. 
and everybody gets this excited ha, 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 ha. oh wow that was great and now they're there they love the car where they liked it before that so when you're talking about um, media influence or anything like that they've got to hook you into this story um, and even if it is just to get you to watch from the beginning to the end and so they'll give you teasers or tidbits usually fear-based you don't want to miss this this next bit could save your life. You ever heard anything like that on TV? Oh, sure. And it's right before a commercial. So that you go, oh my God, quick, I got to go pee and fill up my drink and get back and sit here so that I don't miss whatever it is they're going to tell me because it's going to save my life. Or This product will kill you and it's probably sitting in your refrigerator right now. More news at 11. Yeah. <laughs> oh my Only God. six. <laughs> what am I going to do? Okay, hit the pantry. <laughs> Because I got yeah. chips in there, you know. Um, so yes, do I think the the media, just like anything else um, on TV or or anywhere, is trying to uh, to influence you? Of course it is. But but to what end though? What to what end? Because they're not obviously the the the, the media didn't tell everybody run out and buy toilet paper because no. of because of COVID nineteen. So. If, if, we, if we accept the premise that the media is attempting to affect the way that we make, the way we make decisions, what's the end game or why are they doing that? My, I contend that they, do, they, they influence you to come back, to decide to keep coming back and keep looking at the information and to be a mouthpiece as well. Mm -hmm. And well, because people will go off and say, well, I read on MSNBC or I watched on CNN and they're reporting this. Mm -hmm. if, if you have nowhere else to go, to get the information that's going to lead, direct, guide, and um, ultimately save your life, then you are you're a, you're a slave to that um, to that medium, whatever it is. You're going to come back, whether it's later today. You're going to come back again tomorrow. Um, you know, I I get my news from, like you said, MSNBC, CNN, Fox, whoever it is. You're going to become a what they call a loyal listener or a loyal viewer. Um, and so, yes, that's, I mean, that's how they make their money. Um, right. we, we talked about that before, you know, knowing somebody's motivation, let's be honest, media is a business. It is a business. Um, there, there's very, very, very few true media outlets out there that are completely nonprofit. And even those need to get paid somehow to keep their operations going. So, um, yeah, it is a business. They get, they get money back from uh, how many clicks on their website by um, what their viewership or listenership is. Um, absolutely. So, yes. <clears throat> so I want to kind of unpack this a little bit, and I want to set the stage around decision-making. Because there, the, um, psychology has been wrestling with this concept of how we make decisions for, for a very long time. Um, but one very popular theory was um, was put forth by by an individual by a man named Seymour Epstein, and in 2014 he published a book that talks about how we make decisions. Um, and what he what Seymour Epstein described were two separate information processing systems that uh, reside within our consciousness, and and these things influence these two separate information processing systems. They influence our th our thinking our perspectives, our behavior, as well as our decision-making. So the, these two separate systems, he referred to them as analytical, rational, and intuitive, experiential. And so the analytical, rational side of us 
we look for things like fact-based data, fact-based information, data, hardcore evidence, right? Black and white, those types of things. Um, the analytical rational system is very logical and it's very slow and it's very deliberate. Um, while the intuitive experiential system is often driven by high levels of emotion, it's very fast, it's very automatic. Um, and so what he argued, Epstein argued, was that all people um, have these, this dual bidirectional uh, processing system within them. Um, and so on one hand, you have the intuitive experiential system, which has often been linked by psychologists to business innovation and creativity while the analytical rational side has been more associated with performance and expertise and trying to eke out efficiencies. And so uh, what Epstein described was we need to maintain these two things in balance because they're good. I think on the, on, on the one hand, the intuitive experiential, that's really when we talk about, that's the side that when we say somebody makes a decision from their gut, right? They're, they're basing mm -hmm. it off of well, I just have a feeling about this, or I have a hunch. That's what they're really basing that off of. And that side can be very attractive because it's very emotionally driven. And yet when we're, when we're faced with a gut-making decision, we can, we can typically make those decisions very, very quickly. When we're balancing data, like, like balancing our checkbook and understanding how much money we're going to have and how much money do I need to spend, now that's the analytical rational side of things. And then our decision-making from that tends to be a little bit slower and a little bit more logical based. So my argument is that journalists and media will use these kinds of things, whether they know they're doing it or not. I think they play into it very naturally. They'll use these two um, in information processing systems to influence readers when they're actually consuming a media text. Go for it. No, I agree with you. Um, and, and, and like you said, I think that's part of their natural process now. Um, <clears throat> and like you said, you have to have both of those types of systems in order to be able to function um, in any society. I, you, if you've got somebody who's um, um, very reactionary, lives in the moment, or, or makes those gut decisions, like you said, I tend to be a little bit more that way. Um, I, I, I am an emotional animal. Um, a lot of people out there know me already know that about me. Um, those of you that don't know that about me yet, stay tuned because you'll probably learn that about me very, very quick. Um, but that's usually me. Um, on the other hand, um, people who are overly um, over analytical can sometimes be um, stagnated by that, always analyzing the data and never making a decision to take it a step forward. Um, and especially in business, it, you need your, your analytics behind you backing up so that you've got your intuitive individuals who are actually pushing the envelope forward so that you can actually move that business forward um, with your, analytic, your analytics behind you. We're actually advising of risks, potential rewards, and, and those type of things. Um, um, your worry warts actually fall into that analytical character or category because they're worried <laughs> about everything that could happen. So they never take a chance on what might be possible. Um, and when it comes to media, I do think that that intuitive nature, they, they'll grasp on to whatever they can um, that seems juicy in the moment. And usually it's the analytical part that actually gets that filled in in the back end. And that sometimes takes, um, like you said, it's, it's a lot longer process. So that might even take days or weeks for some of that to come out. Um, 
And I think that's the part where they lose or can tend to lose some other people who are actually watching that asks, you know, well, why is this even relevant to me? What does that matter? Yeah, I, I get it that um, this might be juicy to somebody living in another city or state or in that area or might be affected, but that doesn't matter to me. That's just noise. So I think with that analytical perspective, bringing it into, you know, why is this relevant um, and how could this affect my life? That's, that's where those stories can actually become real news to everyone. So I have a, I'm sharing the screen here. So I've got, um, this was from a couple of years ago. So I know this isn't COVID-19 related, but uh, bear with me. We'll kind of eventually circle back around to that. But I'm displaying this, this, this image. <clears throat> this is just a static image. And it was um, capturing what CNN had reported. Now, several years ago, we had uh, a few different um, uh, gun shootings in the United States. And the gunmen at the time were using AR-15s. And I think you might remember this, that there was a lot of hyperventilating in the media um, around the AR-15 and how terrible of a weapon it is. Um, I know you uh, enjoy firearms. Uh, I do too. Uh, <clears throat> no, 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 not me. But, but look, how, look how this is written. Now, the reason why I'm bringing this up is, is I, I want to make a point here. This is something that if you know anything, even, even uh, just a, a bare amount, a little amount of information about firearms, then what the media reports in these next few examples that I want to show you, it's very easy for you to recognize and say, wait a minute, that isn't right. That's wrong. I recognize that. Now, if the media is willing, is able to do that and on a topic that you are familiar with, Imagine all of the other stuff that they're reporting on that you're not familiar with. And so what are you supposed to do? Take, take them at their word? And so what, what I'm trying to illustrate here by showing this kind of an example, this one here, Grayson. So Alan Grayson, um, he was a representative from Florida at the time, uh, a Democrat from Florida. And, and Alan Grayson was going, went on CNN and he gave this claim that the AR-15 can fire 700 rounds per minute. Now, if you know anything about the AR-15, the AR-15 fires one bullet with one pull of the trigger. I don't know about you, but that, I gotta, like, how do you fire 700 rounds per minute with that little itchy trigger finger? A lot of caffeine pills. <laughs> <laughs> So, but if you say that the, um, a trained marksman can pull the trigger 700 times in a minute, you, you don't have a what you don't have a target for this kind of attack. I don't believe a trained marksman could even pull a trigger 700 times in a minute. Okay. But the, the, the trained marksman is not what we're talking about. No, we're the, talking yeah, about the, the AR-15. We're talking about the AR-15. <laughs> Right. Yeah, you know, that sector yeah. would probably melt. Here's here's a journalist. Well, it, it wouldn't melt. You'd have to have a, a magazine 700 rounds Seven. long, which good luck <laughs> yeah. with that. You'd, a gigantic okay, drone or something. We'll get into uh, that. But, but. Here's here's another here's another tidbit. This uh, this was a journalist. His name is Gersh Kunzman. He went Kunzman. I don't know. He went and shot an AR-15 at a range, and when he finished shooting the AR-15. 
he claimed that he suffered PTSD because the AR-15 <laughs> was such a, <laughs> it was such a ferocious weapon that it terrified him beyond all doubt. And he was, <laughs> now why I, is that funny? Why I is apologize. that funny? I'm because so I sorry. know why it's funny. No, I, why is that funny? I'm so, I'm so sorry. And, and, and in all honesty, genuinely, to anyone out there listening who has PTSD, I am not amused by PTSD at all or how it affects, um, how it affects people. The idea that some guy got PTSD from shooting a firearm, I don't care if it's an AR-15, I don't care what it is, at a range is ludicrous. And and really kind of sad. I really do. I yeah. do kind of. I want to just reach out and pet poor Gersh's head and say, "Bless your poor little heart," because that's well, in, that's insane. And for anybody who has not fired an AR-15, the it's. Well, no. You know what? I'm sorry. I'm going to get a little upset here for a minute because how dare that guy? How dare that guy? How absolutely insulting and offensive to anyone who truly does have ptsd how about some of our soldiers who came back for more who actually had to use an ar-15 for real purposes and you're gonna tell me gersh out on your range out there with your 50 people and your production team and whoever else and your your really pretty little earmuffs that you got to have on and shoot at a target which was just a couple rings down range that I'm sure you probably shot maybe 15 rounds through and you're going to have PTSD and I'm supposed to feel something for you. Blow it out your bum, sir. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, I'm off my rant for me. That just... well, well, how about, how about this particular one? I, well, one second. The reason why I find that, that, uh, that claim very ridiculous is that anybody who's ever, anybody who's ever fired anything like an AR 15, you know, the, the, the ammunition is just not that explosive and it's, there's very little kickback to it. So, um, no, and you know, anybody who's actually not, been out there knows better. It's um, not a terrifying experience. And, no. um, I mean, if he, if he, okay, let's take him at his word and say that he was terrified after pulling the trigger a few times. Okay. I think that says more about him than it does about the, the, the firearm itself. Yeah. That's what I was getting at. So here's a here's another one. This was this was pushed out by ABC 13 in Houston. I'll give you a second to read this particular clip. <clears throat> the bazooka, a bazooka, was among weapons found during a raid at a luxury condo near downtown Houston. The that bazooka, looks like a shotgun to me. <laughs> yeah. So here we have another example of media who has no idea who have no idea what they're what they're showing. They have no idea what they're showing. Um, and sadly, there are a lot of people who don't know, have no idea what they're showing. But the other half of America that looks at this and says, wait a minute, that's a shotgun. Um, now you're starting to see, wait a minute, the media is, is perpetuating these news stories and they're wrong. Well, and, and keep in mind too, here we're talking about a shotgun, which not, not many years ago, our sitting commander-in-chief at the time advised anyone who was wanting a weapon for protection to go out and purchase a shotgun. But now, 
Um, ABC 13 in Houston, bless your little hearts. I would expect more out of Houston, to be honest. But um, it is going to take a picture of a shotgun, very obvious shotgun, and call it a bazooka. <laughs> That's either crafted or a blatant show of their complete ignorance. Well, how about this? Speaking of ignorance, how about this one? This was, this was um, published by Bridget Bowman. I forget where she's a media personality at, but she is a journalist. And she wrote this tweet where she said uh, a few years back, there was a, a, a Capitol Police left a firearm in a bathroom in, on Capitol Hill. And so she pushed this tweet out that said a Capitol Police officer left a gun in a bathroom, dot, 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 again. And not just any gun, a Glock, which fires if the trigger is pulled. Big scoop coming. <laughs> so i wonder if she means that the big scoop is the fact that a gun actually does fire when the trigger is pulled or there's more to the story a glock i want to know what other kind of firearm exists where it doesn't fire if you pull the trigger oh yeah that'll, that'll be a question we'll we'll ask our our uh, our listening audience to email us with examples of guns that don't fire when you pull the trigger now, now this this next example, this next example I'm going to show you. This is from Senator Dianne Feinstein from California. She actually tweeted this out, um, but it went unchallenged in the media space. The news did not; no journalist questioned her about this, um, even though her statement was completely ludicrous. So Senator Feinstein tweeted out. She said, "A handgun, a handgun wound is simply a stabbing with a bullet. It goes in like a nail." With the high velocity rounds of the AR-15, it's as if you shot somebody with a Coke can. Bless her heart. Right? Right? It's okay. simply a stabbing. So I can shoot you, in other words. <laughs> yeah. I can, I can shoot you with my 9mm, and it, don't worry about it, Jason. It's simply a stabbing. It's, it's just a stabbing, like a nail gun. Like which, a nail gun. Which they have not confiscated our nail guns yet. Correct. Thank God. But maybe we they can, should. We, of, we can still build um, houses because yeah. they haven't been confiscated. But I tell you what, I want an AR-15 that shoots Coke cans. Coke cans? Yeah. I want that. Diet That's Coke. It'll, like it'll be my, my um, caffeine or uh, my calorie friendly caliber. Okay. My, my favorite journalist who has no idea what they're talking about. Now, this, this tweet came out uh, a couple of years ago during the Ferguson uh, fiasco. And uh, Ryan J. Riley, bless his heart, look what he tweeted out. He, looked, he tweeted a picture and he said, I believe these are rubber bullets. Can anyone confirm? <laughs> Hashtag Ferguson. That's, that's a joke. That's got to be a joke. I mean, come on. They're, he got they're, destroyed. They're the little, he no, got, no, 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 no. He got for, destroyed. Okay, for, for the our listening <laughs> audience right now, I, I have to make sure that you can you can understand why I don't believe any of this. Okay, <laughs> you're are, talking about the little orange foamy earplugs <laughs> that you put in your ear. You squish with your fingers and you stick them in your ear, and they and they, then you can't hear anything. There's three of them on the asphalt. And they're they're plain as day. I Dude, mean, my I no 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 you. stop. My four year old <laughs> could look at those and know that those are earplugs. If if R. J. <laughs> Riley really 
No, there's no way. <laughs> I know you can't. That is, that's, you can't accept that, it. You no, cannot accept no. it. It's 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 cognitive so dissonance for are you, you to even it think is, that it it's is. real. Are you telling me that that he actually was questioned and this thread goes on and he really did believe? Oh yeah, he left it up there for quite a while. He had no idea what they were. Ladies and gentlemen, these are the people that are advising you about the news. Yes. Again, when you know it's wrong, what's stopping these people? They're not checking any of their sources. So here's something that the US, USA Today came out with. They actually, they actually published this image. They published this image because they wrote an entire article about the AR-15 and the terrible types of modifications that could be put on AR-15s to make them even more terrifying. And look at this. This is an image that they put on USA. This was literally on USA Today's website. A picture of an AR-15 with a chainsaw bayonet. I want one. Right? I, wa <laughs> <laughs> I want a chainsaw bayonet for my AR-15. What but, the heck is wrong with people? But that, that spawned beautiful memes i think twitter just couldn't handle it anymore it spawned beautiful memes it spawned this gem which was a an ar-15 with a chainsaw bayonet with silencer <laughs> <laughs> or one of my favorites um possible modifications an ar-15 with a with a chainsaw bayonet with another chainsaw bayonet on top of an AR-15 and a chainsaw bayonet and so forth. <laughs> you know, this is, this is funny. How about um, this one? The, the, the Kaepernick the bipod? The Kaepernick uh, take a knee bipod for your AR-15. For your AR-15. I got a few other ones here. This one, I like this one. This one was, uh, I thought this one was pretty clever. This one here, which is a an, an AR-15 holding an AR-15 holding an AR-15 holding a chainsaw bayonet. <laughs> this is, or, or or this one. This this one. This one was a clever one. An AR-15 with an AR-15 rifle scope and an AR-15 bayonet firing AR-15 assault rifle bullets. They, is, <laughs> you know, they should be coke cans. And we have an AR-15 with a great shark, a great white shark bayonet. And we have an AR-15 with a great shark bayonet shooting a laser. It, it, they're sharks with laser beams attached to their friggin' heads. Yeah, I, I got it. So, look, all, all these are, are hilarious. They really are. They're funny. But the, the sad reality is um, this spawned from USA Today. And I'm not picking on USA Today because any one of our, our news media outlets could do something like this. And they were absolutely 100% serious about um, an actual chainsaw bayonet on an AR-15. And, and, and expecting people to not only take them seriously, but then be ultimately, like we started out saying, ultimately be afraid enough to join their cause in pushing the agenda to try and push legislation against um, owning an AR-15. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it, it, yeah, it's, it's disturbing. It's disturbing to think that these are the same people 
who we are tuning into right now to try and tell us how to better protect ourselves and our family during an actual pandemic. It turns my stomach. I almost don't want to finish my beer. <laughs> so I want to bring this back to COVID-19 because what I want to, what I want to try to illustrate is how journalists write specific article, articles and how redonkulous these articles are. Um, I know you were cracking up when I would do that. You know. <laughs> I actually wish I had this printed out so I could do this. So this is an article that was written by CNN, by CNN.com. And uh, the title of the article, and, and I want to get your takeaway. What do you think about the title of this article? How does this article make you feel? Or what, what do you think is, is the, um, the, the type of response that Angela Dewan of CNN is trying to conjure up in readers? The article is, Lifting Lockdown Safely Relies on Effective Testing. Germany Surges Ahead, But U.S. States Are Flying Blind. How are we flying blind? What does Germany have that we don't? Well, she's obviously going to dive into that. Well, no, but that, I mean, so you asked me, um, what, what is that, how does that make me feel? Oh, my gosh. How are we behind Germany again? What, what are we not doing? How dare we? Who do I get mad at? You know, I mean, it's, um, it's already spawning this idea that um, we're, we're behind in the race. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's like a different kind of space race. Um, and we're not fighting the Russians to get to the moon. We're trying to figure out who around the world's got this figured out better than we do. And why aren't we in first? I actually heard someone, um, and I don't, I don't remember well enough, so I apologize out there, but, um, it was one of our elected officials was, was giving an interview and said that we cannot afford to come in second place. We have to be first when it comes to developing treatment, developing vaccine, developing cure. And I, I thought that was an interesting um, um, choice of words when we were talking about it. It's instead of actually focusing on getting it because we need it, it's almost uh, the competition. And right. ironically, when you bring that up, that's kind of almost what it feels like. Right. Well, she goes on in, in, in her article. She says, as governments around the world begin easing their lockdowns and as new infections are inevitable, they will get another chance to get their responses right. Meaning these governments are going to get a second chance to be right about how they tackle COVID-19. She says, many are embracing that second chance, but some U.S. states are not. That's it. But some U.S. states are not. She doesn't go into describing why she came to that conclusion. She doesn't offer any supporting evidence. It's but, say, but some states are not, period. That's it. So that's useless information. It's not even information. There, it's not it's, even it's not even a fa it, there's no factual information there's nothing leading that that does the american people nothing um positive it does not give me as an average citizen any kind of insight into anything whatsoever other than maybe that someone has some idea of some information somewhere that i don't right so stay tuned more right. to come well, and I like this, I like this particular line. She, she talks, she's got a section in the article that says U.S. misses testing mark or U.S. misses testing benchmark in parentheses, but so does the U.K. So she's calling out the, the United States is, is, is screwing up. That's the, the, uh, 
the assertion here. But then in parentheses, she's had, but so does the UK. And her parent, she goes on and she writes, the way some leaders talk about the level of testing can be confusing. President Trump had claimed that the US had carried out the most tests in the world. And while that may be true per capita, it's not leading. So what she does is she's, she, she says what Trump has said, meaning we're leading the world in testing. And even says, while that may be true, it's not good enough for her. Mm -hmm. Because it doesn't meet the right definition that she is using and other people like her are using. Well, but it doesn't lay out what that is either. She so, goes, well, she goes on a little bit more, but it's the way that that's the introduction, the introductory paragraph to this particular, to this particular section. She's calling out the line of, well, you know, President Trump is, the, the assertion is, well, he's lying, but not really. We're doing really good, but not really good but enough. But not really good enough. Right? Okay. So, so that's, that's the takeaway from this particular thing. So she goes on, she says, while it's useful to look at how widely a country is testing per capita, the WHO says there is a better benchmark to measure whether a country is testing adequately. Dr. Mike Ryan, executive director of the WHO's health emergencies program said recently that a good benchmark is to have at least 10 negative cases for every one positive case confirmed. That means if a state or country carries out testing and comes back with positive cases of around 9% or under, then it's likely that it is doing well. The U.S. has a positive result rate of 18.8% going by the COVID tra tracking projects figures cited by JHU. So what she's essentially saying is we are, we are testing and all of the people that we are testing, almost 20% of the people that we are testing are coming back positive. But somehow that is an incorrect way of testing for her. Well, and, and it almost makes it sound like um, uh, we should just be blanket testing the entire country, which, you know what, that's an approach. That's an approach. But let's look at just the population of the United States versus many other countries in the world. And I'm not, I'm not going to pick on anyone in particular, but we, we have a very high population density. Um, I don't believe that there's that many tests in existence in the world to try and even do that. So if she's trying to make the case that um, um, we need to just blanket test everybody until we get this um, uh, 10 ne or negative cases for every one positive is I believe is what you said back. Yeah. Yeah. The only way to do that would be to literally send, you would have to actually send a te home test kit, like a home EPT for everybody for COVID in the mail. Everybody in the house and would have to swab their own selves. Hopefully they do it correctly and then send it back. We don't have the healthcare um, facilities or infrastructure to try and test the entire United States population. We could never do that. And two, even if you were to try and send those tests out, just like what I've just mentioned, what is the reliability of any of those tests? I, I mean, that's, that's, um, uh, that's a pipe dream uh, first and ludicrous second, or, or strike that and reverse it. Well, and she, she has her very next sta uh, statement here. She says, because remember, we're, we're testing at 18.8% of a positive result rate. She says, such high rates suggest a country is only testing the worst cases, usually people who are severely ill and in hospital. Well, no kidding. Yeah. No kidding. Actually, that's under the direction of the CDC. If you'd like to dive into that a little bit more, I can really actually touch on that semi-intelligently. Well, the, 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 the whole point of, of, te of testing, look, no matter how many tests, tests you actually have, they're going to be scarce. 
-hmm. the first rule the first rule of economics is things are scarce the first rule of politics is to disregard the first rule of economics <laughs> so the only way that we can be sure to get the best bang for our buck for a very limited resource called COVID-19 testing is to use it where people are sick, not to go door to door into every neighborhood and test every Tom, Dick and Harry to see whether or not they have COVID-19. That's just a waste of resources. It's a waste of manpower. It's a waste of money. It's a waste of, of these tests. Why right. on earth would we do that when there are people that are sick and that need to be confirmed so that doctors can put together an adequate treatment plan? Well, and even there, let, let's just pretend um, you were starting to feel sick t today um, and you were feeling sick tomorrow. You are actually advised, I, and I'm sure you know this, do not go into the emergency room. You know Correct. that. Yeah. You are supposed advised. to call your uh, primary care physician who will review your systems or symptoms, excuse me, with you over the phone and try and keep you there. And if then you actually meet the CDC minimum criteria for testing, then and only then are you to then go to a hospital for testing. So we're doing everything we can right now to make sure that we keep people out who do not need to be tested for that. And actually that's, I don't see how that doesn't make sense. I am not going to take my daughter up to the hospital um, to get tested if she's not symptomatic with COVID symptoms. Right. I'm, I'm not. She's fine, by the way. Everything's good. But um, <laughs> it's just, um, yeah, I'm not sure exactly what um, what planet she's living on. Bless her heart for trying Um, it's, you know, what I, the thing that I, the main thing that I want people to try to, to take away from, from these kinds of articles is you have to read them and think, well, where's the supporting evidence in that? Why wouldn't we, why wouldn't we keep our testing, for example, to where, where it's needed? Right. And, and often these, often these media personalities will craft these particular articles in a way to shape public opinion because that's the entire purpose of this particular article this article is intended to shape the way people respond to these to this thing called COVID-19 as opposed to what I think journalism should really be about and that is to report on public opinion and and things that are actually happening and so now they're using it to actually shape public opinion and I think that's egregious well and and any anytime I hear any news article or or any news story and this is from anyone so i am not picking on any one organization but i i think it was my fourth grade teacher mrs thompson who said oh, who always taught no it was my fifth it was, was miss cannon i'll never forget her bless her heart I miss her um <laughs> she always said it when you hear something always ask who what where why how always ask when you're being given any anything that you are told to either obey or is fact the only exception to that of course is your parents because they get to tell you because i said so and it doesn't matter my wife also gets that too so i have i have both of those but um you know whenever you're hearing the news talk about this remember that they, they do draw up that emotional response so take a moment let it sit Use that analytical part that Epstein talked about so um, very eloquently and ask just those questions. If you get logical answers to those, 
then it's probably it, it's it may very well be factual and probably good go with that but don't follow blindly out of either ignorance or um just being lazy because i think that's 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 how people are controlled yeah well and you know and it has it has bigger ramifications uh beyond just the individual people i mean this is a type of news story that has for all intents and purposes come all had brought our entire economy to a screeching halt now we can debate the reasons for doing that that's a that's a separate debate but given the media's intention of shaping public opinion that has an effect of bubbling up to <clears throat> politicians right and so just this past week we had a situation in california where californians decided i'm going out and they flocked to beaches in orange county in south uh, southern california and the reporting of it was severe such that the report the journalists in the la area and such were lamenting how people were putting others at risk and that information bubbled up to the governor's office and then gavin newsom issued a an order to close the beaches down because he said that well if you're out there at the beaches you're putting people at risk now the question becomes is that true well is, okay is that a true statement so let's let's just pretend let let's let's um swallow a piece so that we can uh, we'll, we'll take the bait and see where the line goes so let's let's just pretend all right um we're putting others at risk who are we putting at risk if i'm going to go to the beach and i'm going to be around other people who are also going to the beach who is at risk i'm at risk and those other people are at risk. So that's essentially a choice that I am making. And I am doing that for myself. Now, hopefully I'm single and um, I'm doing that on my own and I'm not bringing anybody else along with me um, who may be at high risk for um, fatal infection. But that's a risk we may be taking if that were true. But those, then so are the other people who are also going, but they're doing that out of there. That's an informed choice at that point. And how is that any different than, um, uh, oh, I don't know, going to work when you have a cold? Right. Well, so the question, the question that I had was, well, is it really true? Is it, are people really being put at risk for going outside? In fact, um, just today there were more, um, protests yesterday and today there were more protests in Southern California where people were flocking to and just piling into streets uh, I mean like by mobs I mean just mobs and mobs of people piling in the streets um, the military has been doing flyovers of, of various cities they did a flyover yesterday of, of the valley um, like 15 planes flew over the entire valley um, along a predefined route in honor of the first responders for COVID-19, okay? And the military has been doing this in other cities around, around the country. And today, the military flew planes over Washington, D.C. And Washingtonians, they piled out into, um, uh, onto the National Mall to watch the, the planes fly over. 
So the question becomes, well, are people at more risk if they're going outside? Now, Time here has an article talking about a study that was done to, to determine just how far and rampant a virus can spread. And what, the, what Time concluded, I shouldn't say what Time concluded, but what they reported on based on, a, on studies that have been done is that viruses get transmitted, um, a virus transmission is worse indoors because it has a tendency to stay as an aerosol indoors longer, whereas out, outside, not only does it, not only is the virus attacked by sunlight and UV radiation, et cetera, et cetera, that can kill the virus itself, but when somebody sneezes or coughs outside, um, the variables in wind and air and humidity, et cetera, usually force those, those spit particles, if you will, those saliva particles and you know, moisture particles that somebody emits, usually forces them right to the ground. And there's very little, there's actually a reduced chance of contracting a virus if you're outside. That's correct. Yeah. And, and keep in mind too, we were, we, the collective we, were, were all advised to go outside, go hiking, uh, go for walks, do all those things because there's, there's uh, uh, a high chance of depression and social isolation when being inside. Um, and yes, and anybody who's got kids knows if, you're, if you've got kids, you're going to get sick because they are going to infect everyone in the household. And for those of you who have school age kids, you know, you're, <laughs> you're going to probably get whatever it is twice because it'll make, it'll make two circles around. Um, so yeah, is that true? Are you really putting yourself and everyone else more at risk? Or um, is, are people no longer able to control everybody because you are saying, nope, I've had enough. I'm going to do it anyway, and I'm making an informed choice. What happened to my body, my choice? Oh, wait, that, or that doesn't work for this. I don't know. No, that doesn't work for this. <laughs> well, and you, you have people now that are, that are filing complaints against their neighbors. You have people that are literally calling the, the police to report their neighbors leaving their homes. Uh, because they feel compelled to. They feel compelled to because they've read our news articles, they've watched the news, they've heard that this virus is, is hyper-contagious and is absolutely deadly, even though the CDC and the WHO have reported and said the majority, the vast majority of people who contract the disease, which amounts to almost 90% of people who contract the disease, have little to no symptoms, have very mild symptoms, and, and do recover. So when you have the vast majority of people who contract the disease and they do recover, but that information does not get reported. What gets reported are the deaths. Mm -hmm. And even the CDC and the WHO show that only the critical, the, the, those who are critical patients and those who tend to have other underlying health complications are the ones that are dying. And yes, that's terrible. That's absolutely tragic. And we should protect those people as much as we possibly can. But in reality, the vast majority of people who contract the disease are not at that level of risk where they're going to die. Now you can, that that might trigger some people. That might get some people angry. But you have to ask, why are you getting angry at that? If the CDC and the WHO are actually are literally saying the the vast majority, we're talking like close to ninety percent of the people worldwide who have contracted the virus are not at risk of death. Why are you so upset now? Why are you so upset by hearing those words? So you, I think you have to do some introspection and ask yourself, well, wait a minute, why am I getting so mad about that? Well, we're supposed to. 
That's, that's what we've been told. We're supposed to be mad. We're, we are supposed to police each other. Matter of fact, you, you talked about um, neighbors calling the police on each, on each other about them um, not obeying the social distancing laws, going out when they're, quote unquote, not supposed to, doing this, that, the other. I, I've heard worse that actually, and I believe it was, now don't quote me on this. We'll have, I'll have to go back and fact check. And at least here we can say we'll go back and fact check. But um, I believe it was de Blasio who actually said, you know, if you've got people in your family and in your, that you share a household with that are actually doing that, you need to inform us so that we can actually come check on them. If you have somebody in your home that's sick, it's your duty and responsibility to call so that we can send someone by to do a, a neighbor or someone by to do a wellness check on them. Sorry, there, there was one other person um, in history who had um, kids, especially turning in their family members, but I don't want to make correlations to that necessarily. Um, you talk about the CDC reporting deaths. I'm sorry, that, that's, that's a crummy subject for me. Um, I know the CDC's actually admitted that the deaths that are being reported are not confirmed, 100% confirmed linked to COVID either. And I mentioned this to you before. If um, you have a, a patient who is in the hospital who passes away, who was positive for COVID-19, that's a COVID-related death. If you have a patient who passes away um, while they're in the hospital where COVID was in the hospital, they're saying that that is a COVID-related death, even though that patient may be tested and comes back negative for the disease. They are reporting that as COVID-related because they're not testing the dead. Well, and what's interesting with the CDC, I'm glad you brought it up because just yesterday, the CDC revised their death numbers from COVID-19 downward. So the media of late has been reporting deaths upwards of 65 to 67,000 uh, nationwide. Well, just yesterday, COVID-19, and I screen capped this and I'm showing it, I'm sharing it now, the CDC revised their estimates down. Now the total is 37,000. And this is actually from February 1st, 2020 through for 25 2020 through april 25th 2020 and they released right. these numbers on on may 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 1st data as of may 1st the covid 19 deaths total deaths 37,308 what's interesting is influenza deaths we've noticed you'll notice that they've been consistently tracking like right around 500 um, and then right around april 18th those things fall off a cliff down to 215 425 down to 67 so um, our, our flu rates are, are dying out or are flattening out. That could be for a number of reasons. We're getting more and more closer to the end of the, of the flu season. It could be the fact that, yes, a lot of people have been staying indoors. So maybe fewer and fewer people are contracting the disease, et cetera, et cetera. Who knows? Maybe people in their panic of didn't want to come down with both COVID-19 and flu. So maybe more people ran and got a flu shot and, you know, People that were at risk for maybe getting the flu uh, were able to, you know, protect themselves and not get it, etc. Um, but the COVID deaths are kind of plateauing. Um, but again, the media is not going back and correcting this, mm -hmm. and yet people are still perpetuating the the idea that deaths are above sixty five thousand total U.S. Americans. I mean, well, and don't get me wrong, even one American is one too many. Um, but what this is telling me is that this is not even, this is less than a half of a percent of the U.S. total population, a country of 328 million, 328 million people. Um, it's less than a half of a percent. 
and yet yeah. we're shutting our entire economy down over this. Well, and, and keep in mind one thing too, because uh, I'm going to challenge you on your data uh, recap real quick, and I don't ever do this, so this is a rare moment for me. So ha ha ha. Sure. <laughs> um, you have to actually, when you're looking at your influenza deaths, because this is something that that the case was made very very early on. Anybody who's at risk for influenza has a higher risk for COVID. So you have to add in your last column, which are deaths with pneumonia, influenza, and COVID-19. And those numbers, that's where you're getting a majority. Notice that a lot of those deaths that are associated also had flu. Yes. And that's, and this is a, this is a complete bunch. This is, this is very difficult data for anybody to parse through because you have three different different things at play, the pneumonia, the influenza, or the COVID. Um, and, and so that is a very difficult statistic, right? So that, that in and of itself, but we're still talking about nowhere on here, are we talking about 60,000 purely COVID-related deaths, which has been right. what the number is. Right. So, and, and you know, let's, let's face it, the CDC also came out and said anybody who was suspected of having COVID, as you mentioned, I think earlier, any, if you were even suspected of having it, you were recorded as having COVID. I read a story today that somebody, uh, somebody um, they watched their father fall to the ground he died of a heart attack on the living room floor and the death was ruled as a COVID-19 death. Yeah, correct. That's, and that's been happening since, uh, since February. I, I, I know that for a fact. And, and so the same thing could be, hand, could be over here in the, the other column with the deaths with pneumonia, influenza, or COVID, right? We, we don't know what these numbers are. In fact, we don't even know what the COVID-19 deaths are. Now, could the numbers for the sake of argument, could the numbers be much higher? They absolutely could be much higher. They could be, let's, let's just say for the sake of argument that no, COVID-19 deaths are actually being reported at 65, 67,000 deaths uh, across the entire country. But what do you do with the information when you realize from the CDC's mouth itself that even people who are suspected of having it are being marked as, die, as death from COVID? Right. That has to draw into your mind, wait a minute, that has to create some element of pause and confusion because now the data is not good data. The data in and of itself is just junk. So even if we, even if we downgrade the number to 37,000, I can't even tell you if that is a legitimate number or not because the data and the data reporting has been bunk this entire time. Right. And, and more to the point, and, I, and I'm glad you brought that up. This, that was from the CDC's mouth himself. So it's, it's not anyone maliciously attacking their claims. It's not anyone maliciously saying that they're, they're misreporting for any reason or, or malintent in any way. They are admitting that they do not, or their data is skewed. But keep in mind, they're the experts that are going to be able to advise you on what you need to do to save your life and your family's life. And so your individual liberties and freedoms need to be set aside um, so that you can follow along with what they are telling us to do. Well, at, at least today. Well, and the, you know, the problem with, with Gavin Newsom, for example, is not just being relegated to California because we have, um, Bill de Blasio, mayor of New York City, coming out last week saying that he was going to arrest Jews who were participating in, um, in a funeral service. 
and he was he literally threatened to arrest them. In fact, I think it was Thursday, either Thursday or Friday, he did send police officers into uh, Jewish neighborhoods and was actually serving Jews um, $1,000 citations because Jews were getting together in their Jewish centers, holding prayer services, et cetera, but they were actually social distancing inside the prayer centers. And, the, and they were keeping the number of people to around 10, maybe 15 or so, but they were social distancing, so they were spread out in there. Uh, and the police were coming in and they were giving them citations, $1,000 citations. Uh, and this is specifically targeting a group of people. Um, when I call it, you know, you may think that, yes, get them, you know, they're coming out, they're endangering people, they're endangering my life about, ask yourself, why are you so, in, in, you know, enraged by that? Why would somebody, why would another American be enraged by, uh, by some Jews who are minding themselves and social distancing and trying to do the right things and still these people are chomping at the bit and want to throw them in jail well and and here's something interesting because i i heard and i'm sure you did and you know around this story um there was a lot of focus on um the fact that this was a jewish gathering Mm -hmm. you know and i heard um some opposing arguments saying well you know, um, are the police actually monitoring what's happening in the mosques? Are they going in and, and issuing $1,000 citations into, um, you know, Muslim gatherings or anything like that? And actually, I, I had to take a step back because I started to fall prey to that too. Um, again, with some of that, that rage, you know, um, well, if, why is it the Jews always being segregated against? And, and so I, I had to take a step back from that. And I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, let's back this up. Let's take the religious aspect completely out of it. These are American citizens. They're yeah. people. Right. Why is that okay in any way, shape, or form? I don't care about your religion at all. Why is that okay? And why is it that we feel this, this idea, that, well, um, it's for the greater good. Who's greater good? Who's greater good? I mean, that can happen to you. That can happen to me. That can happen to anyone. Um, you know what? I, this. When are we publishing this? A couple days from now? Okay, good. Um, my mom is coming up tomorrow with my grandfather. Guess what? They're older. Mm-hmm. They're at higher risk. They're going to come up and visit me and my wife and my two kids because it's been a little bit since they've seen their grandkids. They want to do that. They are coming up from Prescott Valley, which is only about an hour away. But I will bet you a dollar to a donut, someone out there is going to go, whoa, that's, that is absolutely breaking the rules. There's not supposed to be any travel. That's considered a family gathering. How many people are, are we talking about total that you're putting my life at risk? You don't even know where I'm at. Not really. <laughs> but I mean, you know, who are you trying to protect everyone from? And why is this become such a dog eat dog situation that we, we, we forget what it is to be, to be citizens in the same country, to be neighbors, to be um, brothers, to be friends, to be coworkers, to, to actually live in the same place together where we now we feel like we have to be enemies almost just to out of sheer, and it is fear that is driving this. So to, to kind of bring this all full circle, I think a lot of, a lot of the media plays off of the emotion and they, 
will wrap things up so that they feel like when you're reading an article or you're watching a newscast, you feel like there is some logic behind it. They'll put some data around it regardless of, and maybe the data is bunk data. We already talked about how the data coming out of the CDC is, is fuzzy at best. It's gray at best. But when they start crafting news articles and, 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 pub, and producing um, video clips and they're using data, it sounds good. And so it plays into our rational side of things. And yet when the way they word things and they keep things very ambiguous and they don't offer any additional proof on certain things and they play off fears, well, that plays to the intuitive emotional side of things. And so I think media journalists continue to play these kind of elements within readers to keep them coming back and keep the clicks coming so that they can keep reviewing and, and sell advertisements on their web space and ask yourself, I mean, the only thing that I really hope people take away with, regardless, you might think that COVID-19 is the worst thing. And you know what, you might be right, but at least I would challenge anybody to think about things a little bit more critically when they're looking at something and saying, wait, where's the information to back this up? Or how could, I, how could this conclusion have been made if there was no supporting evidence for that particular claim? And so that's really what I want, that, that's really the takeaway that I want people to have is, yeah, it might be completely terrible. And if that's the case, convince people that it is by showing them that evidence and synthesizing that information across multiple sources and thinking about things rationally rather than just feeding into the hysteria and calm down. So, and please, for God's sake, stop buying toilet paper. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, we, 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 we talked a lot about COVID tonight, but in all actuality, we didn't talk about COVID at all because this isn't about, this isn't about the disease. This is, this is really about um, hearing a story and keep in mind, they do call news articles and news blogs stories because it is someone telling you a story. So what, um, to, I guess to piggyback on that, I, I would challenge anyone out there when you are hearing a story, if there is an, even a, a slight eye twitch that says, wait, what? And, and it <laughs> causes you to think for a minute, hold on to that, listen to it through, and then go back and ask those who, what, where, why, how questions and gather that information and then move forward with it before you just swallow it whole. It, it's, this is really more about, um, you know, who do, do you want to just follow along or do you want to think for yourself and be informed, but be aware of what you're being informed of? Excellent. Excellent. Well, I think we talked that one to death. So um, before we before we call it a day, I wanted to share just one last funny that I found. Um, I think it'll get a, I think you'll get a kick out of it. And I think it'll be just be a nice way to kind of wind down from a serious conversation about uh, around having to deal with the media in and of itself. So let's let's have a little uh, fun at the media's expense. So this is an actual uh, news interview that occurred. Um, this isn't just an actor or a comedian who's trying to be funny. Uh, I got a kick out of this one. I think you will too. Food. 
my friend came to the door. She said, well, I was on the phone cooking me and my baby some breakfast. And she said, hey, something wrong is popping. I said, what? She said, yeah. I said, no. So the girl come downstairs. She come out her apartment with her baby with no shoes on. I said, oh, girl, it's cold outside. She said, something ain't right. I said, oh, man. She said, oh, man, the building is on fire. I said, no, what? I got my three kids and we bounced out. Uh-uh, we ain't going to be in no fire. Not today. Sir. <laughs> I, I think I've actually seen that before. <laughs> I love her so much. Well, that that was true, but it sounded an awful lot like a story to me. <laughs> the building was on fire. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And we we just lost listeners. Sorry about yeah. that. <laughs> So, yeah, this is going to go up on YouTube and up on the podcast uh, RSS feeds uh, tomorrow. So you'll be able to find it on YouTube, BitChute, uh, Spotify, etc. Go to fusionunderground.net. You'll be able to find all of the links there. Um, like us, uh, give us a comment. Um, it, it's going to help promote the show and get it out there to more and more people and share the links, share the links with everybody else. The email, <laughs> this, yes, the email address, you can send us an email at contact at fusionunderground.net. That's contact at fusionunderground.net. For Jason Moret, I'm Manuel Ramirez. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good night. Have a good night, all. <laughs>